So I want to start off with a question. And here's the question. What drives you? What drives you? What drives you to do what you do? You know, sometimes you'll see a person say, man, they're really driven. They're really driven. Maybe an athlete or a leader or somebody. They're really driven. What drives you? People are driven by all kinds of motives, right? Some people are driven by guilt. You know, I feel guilty if I don't do something, you know, or, or fear. If I don't do this, then something bad's going to happen. Or, or by pride, maybe wanting to be seen or, 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 or revenge or whatever. We're, we're driven by all kinds of emotions. But what drives you? And, and maybe just kind of click that in a little bit tighter. What drives you to serve? We're in this series called Vibrant. We're looking at serving. And already we've covered a lot of ground. Already we've we've learned the what of serving, which is that Jesus has called each one of us to serve, right? And then last week we looked at the how to serve. And we said that we're, we're to serve in our spiritual gifts. And then we also looked last week at the where of serving, that serving starts right here in the body of Christ. But today what we're going to do is look at the why of serving. And what is the motivation? What what motivation does God want you and I to have when we serve other people? And last week we were in the book of 1 Corinthians where we were looking at chapter 12. And remember, just kind of a little context here. There were two groups kind of warring in this church, in this church at Corinth. One group was like, man, we feel like we're super spiritual because we have these certain spiritual gifts uh, somewhere have, you know, speaking in tongues or somewhere have miracle and knowledge and wisdom and all these kinds of things. And they were kind of looking down on the others that did not have these kind of gifts. And there was this division uh, in the church. And so the Apostle Paul is kind of drilling down and addressing that issue. And last week we learned that he said every believer has the Holy Spirit. Every believer has a spiritual gift. Every gift is different and every gift is equally valuable and needed in the body. We don't need to be dividing over this. Man, this should be something that draws us together. And then at the very end of that chapter, chapter 12, he says, but you know what? We've been talking a lot about gifts, but I want to show you the more excellent way, a better way, not a way that leads to division, but one that leads to unity. Not one that leads us to me above you, but one that leads us to to lifting everyone up, building everyone up. And he said, that way is love. In fact, what he's really going to drill down is simply this, that God wants your life to be driven by love. God wants your life to be driven by love. I want you to get your Bible. Open up with me to 1 Corinthians 13. If you didn't bring a Bible, there should be one at your seat. We want everybody with an open Bible, open heart, uh, ready to receive from the Lord. Amen? Uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Now, when you hear of 1 Corinthians 13, uh, it's often called the love chapter. One of the most beautiful passages in the scriptures. First uh, Corinthians 13, uh, the love chapter. And uh, you probably heard this chapter taught at a wedding, <laughs> probably. I've, I've spoken from this passage a lot in, in weddings. Uh, maybe you've heard about it in a marriage conference taught about how we're to love one another. And certainly the, the principles certainly apply to marriage. However, I want to remind you that the context of this chapter is not talking about marriage or even family. 
Chapter 12 is talking about serving in spiritual gifts. Chapter 14 is talking about serving in spiritual gifts. And in the middle, kind of sandwiched in the middle, is this chapter on love about the motive by which we serve others. Paul's talking to this church that's so divided. I'm more spiritual than you. I do this more than you. And he's like, no, no, no. What you're missing is this whole attitude and posture of love, of true love. And so we're going to take a look at what that kind of love uh, really looks like. God wants your life to be driven by love. Before we dive into this, I just want us to pray and ask the Spirit of God to speak to us. So would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I just um, thank you that we have a copy of your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can open it up and read it and you can speak to us by your word and by your spirit. And Lord, I really pray that, that today you would uh, speak to our hearts, God. Open our hearts to hear from you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts here to write down. Here's the first thought I want you to write down. Only love really matters. Only love really matters. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning at verse 1. This is the word of God. Amen. Uh, if I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Now stop right there. He starts off and he says, you know, if I speak with human or angelic tongues. The word tongue there is the word glossa in the Greek, and it can either mean that muscle in your mouth or it can mean a language. We get the word glossary from this word, okay? And so he's talking here about the gift of tongues, and of course, that was one of the gifts that people were using to say, man, we're more spiritual because we kind of advanced into this higher level of spirituality with this gift. He's also going to mention other more sensational gifts like prophecy and knowledge and wisdom and so on. And, and so he's saying, you know what, you, know, you, you say, man, if I, could, if I could not only speak human language, but even an angelic language, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Um, by the way, he's also using a term card called hyperbole here. Hyperbole means an exaggeration for a point. Preachers do this all the time. How many do you have? Where really it was 40, we had 4,000, right? Uh, preachers do that all the time. But, but hyperbole is exaggerating the, to make a point. And here he's saying, man, if, if I could speak in tongues, but not just, not just tongues, but man, just even angelic tongues over the top. People stop here and go, okay, see, see that right there? That means that angels speak in a heavenly language. Okay, that's not what he's saying. Again, hyperbole, he's saying, uh, man, if that were a thing, if I could even do that, it wouldn't really even matter. Uh, by the way, angels, every time we hear angels speaking in the Bible, they always speak in language that's understood, right? We never have any reference to angelic language. But his point is saying, you know what? If you're bragging about you're speaking in tongues and that makes you spiritual, he said, if I could do that and even greater, but I don't have love, then I'm just making noise. I'm just making noise. He goes on to 
talk about some others. If I have prophecy, if I could speak prophetic words, notice all mysteries. There's that uh, hyperbole, all knowledge, all faith. Even I could move a mountain, man. If, they, if I had that kind of love, that over-the-top crazy kind of, uh, kind of gift, right? But I'm missing love then none of that really matters. Basically what he's saying is I could tally up all the good things that I've done and at the bottom it would equal zero because I'm missing what really matters. I'm missing love. And then he kind of goes into not necessarily some of the sensational gifts but, but nevertheless dramatic gifts. He said if I were to give all my possessions, even my body as a martyr, but I... And missing love, I am nothing. Now listen, what, what is he saying here? This is really important. He's saying that it's possible to do good things with wrong motives. It's possible to do something good, but with wrong motives. We see this in other places in Scripture. It's possible to give, but your giving is with a wrong motive. It is possible to pray, and yet your prayers are for a wrong motive. It is possible to preach, and yet your preaching is for a wrong motive to use for your own advancement or your own benefit. And here he's saying that it's possible even to serve in your giftedness and do it with a wrong motive. Uh, right in the margin of your Bible, uh, Proverbs 16, verse 2, it says, People uh, may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. It is possible for you to go, yeah, I got the right motive, but really God knows why you're doing this. And the real danger is to serve or to do things that are, are pleasing to God or serving of other people, but to do it in such a way that it turns toward you, that elevates you. And that's the real danger because that can nullify the, the, the impact of your gift and certainly your reward. Did you know that Jesus warned us about this? Uh, this is not going to be on the screen, so you have to write it down, but uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, just write that down, Matthew 6, verse 1, uh, Jesus said this, be careful, now notice that, be careful, be careful, warning, blinking light, warning, be careful, what? Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Why? Otherwise, you will have no reward with your Father in heaven. Did you get that? It's possible to do what we do, to serve in your giftedness, and yet somehow, it's just even over, overtly or subversively, it becomes about your own self-promotion, your brand, uh, your, uh, your reputation, your thing. And for people to see you as spiritual or good or talented or important. And you know, I just want you to know, man, God's just been really working on me this week. And that, Craig, what is, what is your real motive for why you do what you do? That's important to God. You know, um, Jesus goes on to say in this passage in Matthew 6, he goes, if you pray, man, pray in secret. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you. If you're giving, give in secret. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You know, if you're fasting, uh, take a shower. Don't moan and groan about it. Act like you're not fasting. Do it in secret and your father will reward you. And it got me to think, you know, do, do we do anything in secret? 
I mean, really? You know, we're, we're in the post-it generation, man. It's like, hey, uh, gave a big tip. You know, check this out. Heart, heart, cross, cross. You know, put it on my Instagram. Yeah, look how generous I am. You know, here I am having my quiet time. Here's my coffee, you know, and my journal. Woo, time with Jesus. You know, post it off for everybody to see. You know, we want everyone to see what we do. Really, the, the only thing that we keep secret is our sin, right? We, we, we keep our sin secret. But we, we advertise our righteous acts and that's exactly the opposite of what the scripture says, that we are actually to confess our sin and to do our righteous acts before God in a way that pleases him and not that directs attention toward us. I don't know if I'm just preaching to myself here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but hey, we've got to be careful about this. And I think that's what Paul is really dealing with here. He's saying, listen, you know, you have this gift. And I'm, he's not negging on the gift, but he's like, man, if this is all about you, if it's all about your self-promotion, then man, you, you're missing your reward. What really matters here is not that you are seen, it is that you love. That what you do is coming out of an overflowing and is driven by a heart for love. Love is what really matters. Love is what really matters. And then, uh, I'm sure Paul is, is thinking, I bet you this is gonna be kind of landing a little hard. I'm sure, you know, when you were just here, if you're in the Corinthian church and you're hearing it and you were one of the ones kind of promoting yourself by these gifts, I'm sure this kind of felt like a body blow, right? Boom, you know, boom. I mean, yeah, the other side's probably saying, yeah, you tell them, Paul, you know, get after them. And, uh, and I'm sure he's anticipating somebody in the back of the room going, uh, uh, excuse me, excuse me. So what do you mean exactly by love, okay? Can you define that for us, please? What do you mean exactly by love? And so Paul goes, into a, a very beautiful description of love. If the first thought that you wrote down is that love, only love really matters, and this next thought is only love builds up. Only love builds up. And he's going to go into a description of love. Now, let me just say that every reference here to love in this chapter is agape, which is the Greek word for godlike love, a self-sacrificing kind of love. So uh, once you kind of get out of your mind, those are uh, syrupy, a uh, Hallmark movie kind of love, you know, or the glittery Valentine card kind of love. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a real love, a self-sacrificing kind of love. And he begins to describe what love really is. Look at verse four. He said, love is patient. Love is kind. Let's stop right there. Look at patient. Love is patient. The word there means long-suffering. A better definition, the ability to be inconvenienced and not to be upset or angry. Have you got anybody in your life that's hard to love right now? Hey, don't, don't elbow, just, just receive it, all right? Anybody hard to love in your life? Maybe it's somebody, it's just, they're just kind of socially awkward and they just kind of come in, you're like, oh, you know, here we go again. Or maybe they're chatty, Kathy, you know, and they're just going to come in and talk your ear off. You're like, I got work to do, you know, uh, could we do this later, you know? Or maybe it's just that person just, just always wants something from you and you're like, oh, you know, here we go. I'm always going to give out person that's hard to love. Maybe it's somebody that you do love and you care about and yet they only respond to you abrasively 
and don't acknowledge what you do for them. Somebody very hard to love. Love is patient. Love is enduring. Love continues to love even when I'm inconvenienced and not become angry or irritated with them. That's love. He said love is patient. He said love is kind. Kindness is a... uh, is graciously serving another person and being genuinely concerned about them. Kindness is never an emotion, by the way. Kindness is always an action. To be considerate of others, to think about others, to care about others without expecting anything in return. Think about the uh, nerdy kid in the cafeteria nobody wants to sit with, people make fun of, sitting by himself, and and one of the cool kids comes over and sits with him or says, hey, come sit at our table, and nobody's going to talk bad to you because I'm going to take care of you. That's, That's kindness. Kindness is giving without expecting anything in return, considering others. You know, when I think about kindness, I think about uh, Granny, and I'm talking about Liz's grandmother. Liz's grandmother really uh, was a lady that taught her so much about life and, and love and taught her to cook, taught her to drive, taught her to sew, taught her all those kinds of fun things. And, uh, and when we first got married, Granny was just super kind uh, to me and to us. Uh, she would make sure she slipped uh, some money in an envelope and sent us to us regularly every month just so we could make the rent. Uh, when she would come visit us, she would go to the grocery store and just pack our cupboards with food. Uh, when uh, She would always send us boxes with, filled with cakes and cookies and goodies. And of course, I was working at a church back then, so they would send it to the church. And everybody started figuring out that these boxes came from Granny. Uh, I tell you the truth, uh, God is my witness. I went one time to the mailroom and someone had broken into Granny's box. All right. I saw the little crumbs, you know, on the, and it wasn't rats either. You know, somebody was in there, right? But I, but I just think about, you know, she didn't ever expect anything in return. Just always thinking about us and what would we need. That's kindness. Have you been kind to anyone this week? Have you acted in a way where you graciously thought of others without expecting anything in return? Love is patient. Love is kind. It's interesting, the patience and kindness, they're kind of like two sides of the same coin. And they appear together, kind of like twins uh, throughout the scripture. Of course, right here in in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, they are here side by side. Love is patient, love is kind. We also see it again in Galatians 5.22, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. There they are, right there next to each other. And what patience and kindness have in common is that they say, uh, you before me. That's what they say, you before me. And I, I'm not, it's not about me, it's about you. And, and I'll care about you and I'm gonna put you, I'm gonna be patient with you and I'm gonna think about you and be gracious toward you and I'm not elevating myself. It's you before me. And that's what love says, that's what love does. And listen, when you put others before yourself, when you say you before me, then you're literally building that person up. 
Think about building a house, you know, one, uh, one beam and another beam, one brick on another brick. You're building up that person with your words and your kindness and your graciousness and your patience. You're building that person up. Listen, when you behave this way, you're, not, you're building up your family. When you create a culture in your home of kindness and patience, you're building your family. Think about it, if, if we were to actually live this way at our church, what would we be doing? We'd be building up uh, the church of Jesus Christ. People come from here and say, man, what, what a kind people that is. What a, what a patient people they are. Now listen, love doesn't mean that you don't have difficult conversations. It doesn't mean that there aren't boundaries. It doesn't mean that there's not health and, and so on. But it does mean that, that there is a disposition that says you before me. That's love. And he said, uh, that kind of love builds up. But then he quickly kind of turns to what love is not. Look at verse, at the end of verse four. Love is, is not, does not envy. It is not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not irritable. does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love is not envious. When you have put the work in and you should be the one in line for that promotion and someone else gets the promotion, when you have worked so hard to build your business and your business is stalled out and another competitor is going through the roof, when, you, when your kid has done what they need to do to make uh, the team and yet some other kid gets on the team and yours doesn't and, and they are mistreated in some way and you see other people getting what you want and other people accomplishing what you want and you refuse to be envious but yet truly celebrate what God is doing in their life. That's love. Love is not envious. Love is not arrogant or rude. Let's switch it around. Maybe you do get the promotion. Maybe you, your business does grow. Maybe your kids do get on the ball team and you could strut around and you could, you could promote yourself and how, how smart we were and how I figured this out and, and, and put myself up as the expert. And instead of doing that, you are humbly serving others, always moving the conversation back toward them and not toward you. That's love. Love is not boastful, love is not arrogant, love is not rude with no dishonoring words or, or dishonoring looks or dishonoring actions. Love is not self-seeking, you're not constantly thinking about what's in it for me or what about me, what about my needs, what about what I want. You're not think, doing that. Love is not irritable, you don't have a hair trigger, you don't have a, an explosive anger. You're not like zero to 60 in a heartbeat and, and, uh, and, or with a sour disposition and a grumpy attitude that just creates a haze around you wherever you go. That's not love. Notice he says love is not unforgiving or keeping a record of wrong. Uh, maybe you can pull up everything someone said, how they spoke about you or what they did to you or how they spoke about your kid or, or your husband or your wife and you're just, it's always right there ready to draw from. That's not love. He said love is not rejoicing in unrighteousness but only rejoicing in the truth. Really all these things, you could categorize all these as me before you. It's about what I want 
It's about what I need. It's about what I feel, what I, what's owed me, what I should get. You see, and, and let, me, let me tell you, when, when, it, when your life is all about me before you, and these kind of behaviors are flowing out of your life, listen, it's like you're destroying the relationships around you. You might as well be taking like a sledgehammer and just beating and destroying the relationships in your life. And some of you may be doing that, or you know those in your family that are just destroying relationships out of anger and irritability and out of your own selfishness. What truly is a lack of love. And so here Paul is saying what love is not. You know, it, I would just say, it's easy to see these things in other people, right? In fact, right now, as I'm in the message, you're either falling asleep or you're like really convicted probably because you're like, oh, and then you start thinking, well, I know it's that person over there, right? Yeah, I know, preacher, you got that one right. That is spot on what my husband is like or spot on what my kid is like. Or spot on, you're, you're thinking about other people, give it to them, preacher, but here's the deal. <laughs> Could we all agree can we all agree that we have room to grow in love? Just nod at me if we can agree on that. And would you be open for the Spirit of God to show you where you need to grow? Where these attitudes are taking root in your own heart and in your own life? Notice what he says here. Verse 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Basically, you could just say love builds up. Love builds up. Love, man, just believes. Just not, not, not always accusing with ill intent, but just to believe the best in you and believe that the, the good in you. I'm, I'm, I'm believing in you. I'm in your corner. I, I, I hope all things for you. I see God working in you and I, I just see God's got a great plan for you and I'm just encouraging you along the way. A hope endures and stays with it. I'm with you. I believe in you. I'm for you. That's what love says. That's how love builds up. You know, I was uh, challenged this week about this list uh, to put my name in the place of the word love. You should try that sometime. Craig is patient. Craig is kind. Craig is not envious. I didn't have to go very deep into the list before I felt very convicted about my own lack of love. And I bet you you wouldn't go too far either before you have your own lack of love. And you may say, well, Craig, it's just, I just can't be that way. I mean, it's just the way I am. I, I can't really love like that. But you know what? There's another name you could put in there that fills it to a T. Now think about it this way. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus was never envious or boastful or arrogant or rude or self-seeking or irritable. Jesus did not rejoice over unrighteousness, but only in the truth. Jesus bears all things. Jesus believes all things. Jesus hopes all things. Jesus endures 
all things. Jesus never fails. And I tell you that because only Jesus can fully live out this kind of love. And listen, only as you walk with Jesus are you able to live out this kind of love. This kind of love only flows from Christ living in you and growing in you and and empowering you to love as he has loved. And so maybe this means that in the morning you slip out of your, your bed and onto your knees and you say, God, just fill me, Lord, with just patience, God, and, and help me to, Lord, truly to, to be kind in my attitudes, God. Lord, help me just take away this irritability in my mind. God, take away the, this, this, fall, this selfishness in me. God, I see it. God, take this thing away from me. Lord, fill me with your love. Lord, change me. Lord, make me like you. That's how we grow in love. You know, we're talking here about your motive to serve. And Paul is telling this church, they've been so divided. He said, the problem is not about your gifts. The problem is about your love and your lack of love. And the love is really what matters. And love is what builds up the body even as you do your gifts and serve others through an attitude of love. And then he comes to this last point. Write this down. Only love will last. Only love will last. Look at verse 8. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. That's his main point. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I came in man, I put away childish things, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. What is Paul saying? Basically, remember the context now. He's saying, you know, these division over tongues and gifts and all this kind of stuff. He goes, man, the point, you're missing the point. All all these gifts have a shelf life. They're all going to come to an end. All right? They're going to come to an end. They're going to come when their tongues come to an end. Knowledge comes to an end. Prophecy comes to an end. All that stuff is only temporary. And, and what really matters, what really extends, what does not come to an end is your love. What you take into eternity is your love. Love is what matters. Love is what builds up. Love never ends. It never ends. And to drive that point home, he gives two illustrations, right? The first illustration, every parent will understand. He said, you know, when I was a kid, I thought like a kid, I acted like a kid, all right? Let me, newsflash here, kids can be selfish, right? And kids fight over the craziest things. Mommy, he took my macaroni, you know, or mom, she, she went in my room, you know, or, or he took my thing and, and off they go. Just, they're going at it. They're fighting over the littlest thing. He said, you know, when I was a kid, I acted like that. But listen, as I've grown up, I've learned that those things don't really matter. The love between our family is what matters. You get that? 
And he said, if you, right now, the Corinthian church, man, you're just acting so immature about these things. You're just fighting with who's on top and what, who's more spiritual. And, and if you're really mature and really spiritual, and you'll understand that it's your love for one another that really matters. Wow. God, help us. Lord, help us to love each other. And then he gives another illustration. If that's not strong enough, he said, you know, it's like, it's like looking in a reflection. All right, I want you to just kind of get this image in your mind. Maybe you're, you're missing someone. You haven't seen somebody you love in months and you're really missing them. And so you decide to go for a walk down Main Street and, and you stop in front of a window, a, a store window, and you're, you're kind of looking in the window. And then uh, all of a sudden you notice a reflection of somebody behind you. And it's that somebody that you love. And you're like, oh my gosh, I see the reflection in the, in the window. And so you quickly turn around and you're embraced in that moment. I mean, one moment you're so far away and then you see a reflection and then face to face. And he said, that is what heaven is going to be like. He said, man, right now we just see everything just like a, like a, like a window, like a reflection. We, we don't know what heaven is really like. We don't know all that God has for us. No mind is conceived, no ears is heard uh, what Lord has prepared for us, right? We don't see it, but one day we're going to just turn around and we're going to be face to face with Jesus Christ. And, and listen, my friend, in that moment, when we are face-to-face -face with Jesus, uh, most of the things that we squabble over in this life will vanish in the second. Because we realize that only what really matters is our love for him and our love for each other. That's what we take into eternity. So we have our preferences. We have our differences. But love is what matters. So I'm going to ask you a question again. What drives you? God wants your life to be driven by love, not self-promotion. Not look at me, look how spiritual I am. But to truly be driven by love to be a mirror that reflects the love of Jesus, that looks for ways to do things in secret, to bring pleasure to him, not attention to yourself, to be patient and kind, to realize that only love will last. Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? Maybe you are listening to God's word this morning and the spirit of God is just convicting you. Man, I'm just not loving like that. Maybe the reason why love comes so hard is because this kind of love only comes from God and flows through you. Maybe you've never responded to the love of God that has been revealed to us in Jesus. See, the Bible tells us that we've sinned against God. We've gone our own way. We've lost our way. We're alienated from God. We're hostile toward God in our own sin. 
But instead of bringing judgment, God sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus came as an expression of God's love, full of grace and truth. That he lived a life of love. He demonstrated what love looked like. And then he put on display his radical love for you when he went to a cross. And on that cross, all your sin was on him. And on that cross, he bore your sin and paid for it in full with his own life. The scripture says God has demonstrated his love toward us in this. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He rose again. He offers you new life and a new kind of love. Have you said yes to his love? Have you said, I love you back to his love for you? That's where you need to start. And maybe you're here today and you've, you were unsure of where you stand before God. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Today can be that day. Can day today can be your day to say yes to the love of God. So I'm going to say just a simple prayer. I'm going to lead you in just a simple prayer of faith. And maybe you're here today and right now you just feel convicted. Man, the Holy Spirit is convicting you. You need Christ. I'm going to ask you, everybody's heads bowed, nobody looking around, but just if you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need the Lord. I need God in my life. I need to be right with God. I'm just going to ask you just to lift up your hand. I'm not going to call you out, but I'll see you, and I'll just guide you in a prayer right where you're seated. Just lift up your hand. Pastor, pray for me. I need the Lord. All right, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Lift it up where I could see it. All right, thank you. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ in my life. All right, thank you. Anybody else? Okay, just put your hand down. Just right where you are. Just pray with me. God knows your heart. Dear Lord, just pray that with me. Dear Lord, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way. But I believe you died on a cross for me. I believe you rose again. So I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please wash me clean. I turn from my sin and I turn to you, Jesus. And I choose to follow you. Fill my life with your love. Make me more like you. Thank you for loving me. Father, I thank you for your word today. It's just so current and so rich. Lord, we need, we need to hear it. We need to live it. Lord, I pray that your spirit would apply these things to our hearts. Or, Lord, we can as individuals and even as a church look more and more like you. And Lord, just fill us with your love. We love you, Lord. We want to be a mirror that brightly reflects you. And we pray this in Christ's name.